0: Welcome back everybody to the Uncensored CMO and this week I'm welcoming back one of our special guests from season one, Alex Myers, who's the founder of Manifest, made famous uh, as the agency that uh, that made BrewDog famous and I want to catch up with Alex and find out what does COVID mean for all the clients of his that he's working with, what's the importance of staying, you know, keep communicating through this time, um, his advice about how we can be doing good and why it's important to stand for something and perhaps why now is a better time than ever to get back to the basics of business. And uh, he ends with, I think, a wonderful bit of advice, which is now, more than ever, is the best time to sit back and write yourself a brief. And uh, I think that's a lovely point to end. So listen, without further ado, let me introduce Alex Myers. How are you, sir?
1: Yeah, fine. Fine, thank you. You know, in lockdown and COVID nonsense. How about you? It's been...
0: um tough and busy so everything went everything literally went off a cliff and we just didn't know when where the bottom was and so but since then it's been uh, sales have been recovering really strongly not not back to where they are but um back to where it's sustainable to be i think we seem to like now being that okay it's stabilized we know what we're doing you know things are starting to improve so uh yeah so that feels good actually it could have felt a lot worse now
1: yeah, I think that's a that's a common story, to be honest. You know, I think there was that moment of panic from the from the market, from certainly from client side, where everyone just stopped all spending to just see what was gonna happen. Um and then there was about a week where they all thought that's the right thing to do, and then a week of panic that shit, like we're definitely not gonna sell anything if we're not actually reaching out to anyone. Um and yeah, sort of what are we going to do with COVID? I think everyone reacted as if it was going to last three weeks, but actually not realizing how a three or four month hiatus of marketing is going to impact the brand. Like I think just people didn't. didn't and when,
0: um, I mean, when uh, the furlough scheme was announced and it was like 12 weeks, it was like, wow, that's such a long time. I mean, that's going to cover us for ages. We'll be out, we'll be out and done and dusted and it'll all be over by 12 weeks. And you look at it now. Um, it seems much more of a long haul uh, kind of situation, doesn't it, than it did a few weeks ago?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Bra- the the brands that have succeeded are the ones that have, have kept the lights on, but in a sort of adjusting their objectives, really, to what's feasible. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see now like, what's going to happen permanently in terms of when when, you know, given that we're coming back out of this, and people want to spend but also into a recession is an inter- it's an interesting landscape really
0: yeah because I, I think maybe people felt short sharp pain we'll all get back and it will be okay again whereas it's kind of slightly longer pain and um coming back into a, a far less buoyant economy than we kind of went in is going to be challenging isn't
1: it yeah and different industries will be affected differently like airlines and travel will it will be a long time before they get to a recovery position um you know retail will start recovering but you can't really sell as much when you're social distancing right um you know and uh yeah i, I think it's it's interesting to see how those different industries will be affected so if, if
0: you take your own client base who's yeah how, how has it affected affected you because i guess it depends very much on the mix of clients you have doesn't it as to how 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 far you're impacted
1: yeah, I mean, I think we're quite lucky in a sense because we've got a really broad client base. So um, as well as having you know people like Hotels.com who were massively affected, we also had uh, have Gusto and people who are a part of what I would call like a silver lining economy, um, where actually the, the, the COVID crisis has probably accelerated the category progress by three years in the space of three months. Um, and anyone who's um, built a sort of digital first subscription model um, where it's about life, enriching life at home, I think any one of those brands is, is, is having a good time right now, but obviously can't rest on their laurels. Um, and that, that's that been interesting to watch happen, you know, see the sort of polarizing impact. But then for a lot of brands that um, uh, that would have been on the face of it, super affected there's also this opportunity to use the period as a digital transformation really and start to think um beyond you know just that straight route to market i think simplifying route to market has been a bit of a myth for people um and actually like spreading your wings and diversifying in your connection with your customer having more direct connection with your customer is obviously um you know paid dividends in this kind of crisis but also i think in a post-covid world people are more open to it much like they're more open to flexible working or um, you know all of the other things that have been sort of forced upon us. Uh, I think I think it's helped brands innovate um, and see the see the need to innovate and not just sort of stay in their lane, which I think was a, a bit of a mantra previously.
0: Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? I, I think it's worth remembering that all these big changes do also provide opportunities, don't they, for the for for people to innovate. Who who do you, who who have you um, as you sort of watch from your point of view? Who who have you admired? In terms of response over the last, I mean, I mean, you and I were chatting about, you know, BrewDog sanitiser the other day, weren't we? But who, who, um, who do you think's responded best in the last few weeks, or, or who, who can we learn from?
1: Oh, it's a tough one because I feel like it's more um, category specific. I think um, there's been a bunch of, um, of brands that have tried to reinforce their, as I said before, their importance or significance to their customers, um, and oddly, I don't think it's necessarily. The brands that have done something that's really impressed me—that has been the defining characteristic of the, the past few months—I think actually it's the brands that um, have uh, have not impressed me. Um, that uh, you know, I, I think there's an idea of embracing the opportunity of COVID that's been a real challenge, but uh, there's also people who really embraced the risk. Um, you know, and I think those brands that have gone dark. Um, and decided, okay, well, now's the time to not say anything to my customers has just made it really explicit to customers that um that their relationship is is simply one of a transaction. And if the transaction's not possible, we're not there for you. And I think it's much like with mates, isn't it? You know you've got friends true friends are the ones that are there in the bad times as well as the good. Um, And if you're talking about being a human brand that has a relationship with customers, and you you know you regard them as advocates and community members and not customers and all of the other market wankery that we all talk about, I think if you um if you live and breathe that, you don't disappear when people can't buy your product. Um, What you do is you try and reinforce and underpin what that significance is. Um, And I think you know Brewdog's a good example of of innovation, but also I feel like. It's again just been an acceleration of that purpose-driven brand approach, where brands have no longer been able to just articulate a purpose and say they stand for it. They've had to actively stand up for it, and I think that's um, that's interesting. We've seen brands getting political with lockdown. We've seen brands sort of develop a real stance uh, rather than rather than just have uh, be allowed to have a purpose. So they're almost like, I I think that that what we're going to find after the COVID crisis is that brands brand purpose will make way for brand activism um, and i think everyone will need to um to demonstrate their commitment to their values rather than just articulate them and that's probably a good thing
0: Actually, you put it you put it really nicely because i think i think the the the, the, the companies that have, i've admired the most in the last few weeks are the ones that have acted to help the the the, the national good i mean i know a much smaller scale than brudo but brewgooder for example is another one isn't it um where they where they've, you know, they've 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 thanked the NHS. They've tried to do things to help, and I think people really appreciate that, and 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 that that won't get forgotten, you know, in in the kind of bigger scheme.
1: Definitely, I think BrewGooder is a great example. I'm just for disclosure on the board at Brewgooder, so I'm a non-exec director there, which is um, why I didn't mention it when you said what brands are doing well, um, and I couldn't really think past it, but. um but certainly, I think, you know, for those that don't know, brew Gooda, um, traditionally is a beer that, um, you know, when you buy the beer, um, the, the profits go towards clean water projects, mostly in Africa. Um, and, um, and it's a fantastic cause. But I think what they've realized is, you know, in lockdown, uh, what, they, what they did was branch that out and allow people to buy a beer for the NHS at cost um, and provide the message with it too. Um, and I think we've had like 25,000 beers delivered to NHS frontline workers, right? Um, and it's, it's actually allowed Brewgooder to open up, like I said, as a brand and realise its significance isn't just actually a transaction, a fundraise. It's actually that showing that beer can do good um, and it can be a vehicle to do that and um you know it's really you know they're, they're a brand where the whole crisis has broadened their horizons it's allowed them to connect you know they've not made any money from that campaign but there's tens of thousands of people who have directly involved themselves in the Brugger cause. um and it's really accelerated i think we did a, an out of home ad campaign as well they gave um, some some really nice media folks gave some free space. Um, there must be quite a bit of free
0: space out of home at the moment. Yeah, exa-
1: exactly. Um, but we were able to to develop ads that were just messages, genuine messages from people to the NHS frontline workers. And we were able to put those up as out-of-home adverts, which is great. I mean, the next stage for that is I'd love to do an ad that's just for one nurse, you know, that that where just just she or he can see, that ad on their work way to work um so we're currently trying to work out if that if we can make that happen but um yeah i mean yeah right and but like i, I think that's what i mean about being able to feel good about marketing in the, in, this, in this space as well i think and in the initial concern for brands was you know can we do can we do anything that's covered related without looking like we're jumping on a bandwagon or being heartless and i think that was probably right in that first week of shock when everyone went into lockdown but i think you then have that natural adjustment that people make. And then they're trying to return to a sense of normality and brands have a real role to play in that. And I think BrewGooder didn't just do some good for NHS workers. It did some good for the people who felt helpless at home, like they weren't helping. Um, And I think really that's what BrewGooder does outside of the COVID crisis, right? It makes you feel like you can do your normal thing, you know, but at the same time contribute to something bigger.
0: It's, It's a good point about creating a vehicle by which people can act as well. I mean, I remember early on in the crisis when the government asked for volunteers to join the NHS and I think the target was 250,000 and it was up at half a million within 24 hours. It's amazing, isn't it? Providing a platform whereby people feel like they're making a difference and doing something, I think is super powerful.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that's been the interesting um, you know, area of creativity for people has been how do we build community? Um, and it's odd that sort of remote working, for example, has made cultures come closer together. Um, you know that social distancing has made you yearn social closeness more than ever before. Well, you realize what you're missing, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And I think you know people have made comparisons with the um with the Second world war, um which I think are erroneous comparisons. But something that is is interesting is um that whenever you go through a, a collective anguish, you come out with a collective solidarity, you know, and I think that that comparison can be made. And I think that's something that brands are going to have to adapt to on a permanent basis. It's like, if you're not there for people and providing solidarity, then, you know, you might succeed with a price based model or whatever in the short term, but realistically you're not a brand anymore. And I think that's going to be, there's going to be a real stark shift. And I think people talked about work washing and um, purpose fatigue and stuff before the COVID crisis. I think now, that stuff plus the community ethic is good, just going to be a, a, an interesting mixing pot, really for for big brands that are going to have to adjust fast, um, and also you know small brands that can come to the fore overnight. Like I think all of that um, democratization is accelerated a lot, and especially because it's all digital. You know the media the media outlook has had to be focused on digital, right? Especially um outside of the earned space. So yeah, I think um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of long-term significance to this, but it'll be interesting to see how it pans out.
0: It really will. It really will. Um, I, I lose count a little bit about where we are. Is, is it week eight, nine, ten? Not quite sure. But um, are you seeing? Uh, th- there seems to be some signs of recovery. Bank of England, I know, have just said that that they think we've hit the bottom, and there's there's early shoots. Lockdowns been eased a little bit. Are you? What what are you seeing in terms of your customers? As uh, any signs that? I mean, well, there is no thing as a, nor- a new normal, I know, but um, are you seeing any signs that things are getting better?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's now a bit of anxiety amongst brands of are we moving quick enough to be back to market? Um, you know, even the brands that have sort of kept the lights on marketing-wise are now like, shit, how do we, how do we regain the momentum? Um, and there are certain brands that will have a rolling start and certain brands that have a standing start, but all of them, I think, are, are now addressing, okay, what's our Q4 plan? because I think we're going to have to get a year's worth of sales out of, you know, one and a bit quarters. <laughs> it's going to um, be a bump for Christmas. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting that sort of land grab for media, uh, land grab for attention. And um, yeah, it's the people who built the blocks, uh, build the blocks over the summer, I think that are going to be the ones that succeed. But we've started to see briefs coming back in. Uh, we've actually seen a lot of the, because we obviously offer like everything from branding through to communications, the branding side of the business has flourished over the this period. I think a lot of people have taken time to. Now's the time to take stock, adjust, adjust our brand identity and our brand messaging. Um, we've had repackaging briefs. You know, like it's that sort of time where you you're waiting for a slow period, right? A rainy day to be able to get your house in order. And I think that's also like where people are wisely adjusting their budgets. Like, okay, we can't spend on media over this period, but we can spend on foundations.
0: Makes loads of sense actually, and it's also a bit of a burning platform for people where they need to reinvent themselves and they need to fix the basics sometimes, you know. Because in good times you can get let a lot of things go, but actually, what I've noticed in the last few weeks is suddenly refocusing on core business fundamentals like cash flow and are we covering our costs and is our proposition still right and what you know what 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 do customers need now that they didn't need six weeks ago. Um, in that sense, it's quite healthy because it feels really tangible and you can't, you know, you you can't, you can't lose yourself in kind of ethereal stuff. You've got to, you've got to get the basics really nailed down. Um, and that's quite a healthy thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in agency land, one of the big challenges when you get bigger is you become a little bit, um, complacent in that area. And I think what, what happens is smaller agencies often deliver better work simply because they need to. Um, and it, and you know, um, I think they innovate as well because they need to, and diversify because they need to. Bigger agencies, the bigger they get, often the slower they move. But it's not because it's harder to move. You know, scale it doesn't it doesn't define ag- agility at all. It's because there's less reason to. There's more um, cog, cogs in the wheel that are just working. Whereas now I think what we'll have is in in the agency side anyway. Anyway, everyone trying to behave like a small agency and like you said, understand you know income versus outgoings on a day to day, week to week basis. Um, not take anything for granted from a cash flow perspective. Um, you know, managing that resource, and I think that's going to be really interesting too. Um, I think there'll be a lot more crea- uh, focus on creativity, which has already been happening. But people aren't looking for a safe pair of hands at the back of this. They're looking for someone who can help them latch on to what they could be, um, and that's also cool. Um, you know, in terms of a long-term silver lining for us.
0: So how how has manifest how has manifest changed in the last eight to ten weeks? And and do you think that change is gonna be a permanent change or a
1: temporary one? I think there's, um, that it's it's odd. We were well-equipped from an operational standpoint because we're an international business. We've been email free for like five years. So everything's on Slack. Projects are managed through Asana um, and you know, Times managed through Harvest, all reporting's done at a group level um video conferencing standard for us so that wasn't really a challenge but i think what we didn't quite realize was um you know how much we all loved the office <laughs> and um and i think you know we what what has changed that won't um, be permanent is that i think we'll always have an office i think it's re- it's reaffirmed to me but actually the concept of the office will change i think the idea that it's a home for work um you know rather than it being somewhere away from home uh it is really cool and i think you know we'll adjust that accordingly i think you know there's definitely a concept to that i think the the culture of the business has really helped us through it and understanding that more explicitly and helping invest in that is good and um, we also developed um our internal diploma as we call it which is our training program we put into um a, an external webinar format and um, to be able to give something back to the industry um, and uh, that's been so successful for us. We call it insight, um, I-N-C-I-T-E rather than um, the normal we you'd suggest insight in a marketing company. But, um, but again, it's been really popular. And I think, you know, that's now part of our business plan. I think moving forward is how do we generate a community amongst our peers and help, you know, bring diverse um, mindsets into the industry with it. Um, and I think that idea of innovation, I, I think. Um, you know, necessity is is the mother of innovation, or whatever. Of quote, I'm bastardizing. But you know, the fact is, we've had to keep ourselves busy developing new stuff, and I think we've learned a lot. We built a tool called Lend Hand, um, which allows. Oh, I people- saw that. Yeah. That how's that going? It's really good. Successful. Yeah. It connects basically people that need some help who are who are needing to isolate or quarantine themselves with um, people in the same postcode that are willing to drop off groceries. Um, you know um, pick up mail you know whatever it might be um, and it's been super successful on a like hyper local level and it's just been really nice but again I think we we, we had this ambition that communications can have a real positive impact on people's lives and you know if we want to build brands that change the world we have to be one um, but it showed that like in t- two days we can develop something that has real value for people and I think that inspired us not just for us to do that more as manifest but also to help our clients do that too um you know and and see that as a real creative route for people and especially as i said when brands need to be activists after this building that kind of resource is really interesting and i think that's probably the biggest shift for me mindset wise is we don't see ourselves anymore as communicating um a product or a service but communications as a product or a service um is what we do and i think um, that's probably the future of the marketing industry really um, you know, your brand is no longer a reflection of what you do. It is what you do. Um, it is how you're judged and never is that clearer when people can't interact with your spaces or your product. They can only see how you behave um, and, and what you what you think of people. So that's, I think, a permanent mindset shift for us on a strategy level. Um, but operationally, I think, yeah, uh, making sure the tech stack's in place, making sure we've got a good cushion of cash flow. Um and 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 yeah, um, and also just just I think, like you said before, you you know the uh, the heart grows fonder. I think you know, making sure that we invest, carry on investing in culture, um, and the people because that's really what's carried us through it all, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's I mean it's incredibly tough at the moment, isn't it, for everybody? Uh, well, for most people, I mean, some people are in good positions, but you actually can see quite a lot of good things emerging through this crisis. That if we hold on to them long term, as you say terms of you know being activists and actually living your purpose rather than talking about your purpose could be could be quite fundamentally transformational for you know for the economy for communities for you know for, for, for world trade lots of things it's quite exciting
1: definitely and from a more practical level you've got things like social commerce that's become a mainstay now of people's purchasing behavior um not just um you know going to amazon for things but subscribing to products and services i think brands like Huel um will be super successful you know coming out of the back of this where people understand that their you know their diet and whatever's important but also that convenience can be just delivered to your door um i think um you know brands like uh, we work with Aska which is a, a fashion brand that's 100% traceable um but again online focused and there's um there's just an opportunity i think for conscious consumption to be seen as something that is a standard you know I think sustainability as an objective or an aspiration is something that we'll see disappear as well. I think people will see sustainability as your baseline, much more like they do in Scandinavia. Um, you know sustainability is a four-letter word in Sweden. It's like what's your what's your positive impact is what they want to know. Um, and I think yeah you know, we're gonna that all of that idea of conscious consumption has been accelerated because people have realized actually if we take a step back from the fast pace of life, we can buy less but better. Um, you know, we can we can focus on ourselves and our lives much more. I think people have, you know, home improvements and um, fam- family stuff um, will flourish. Um, and I think also staycations, do- the domestic tourism market as well, will, will shoot through the roof in the short term. But also people have had to appreciate their local area, right? So, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. I discover, yeah, new things. I think the other thing I've noticed is, I think people are paying more attention to their own well-being being and their family's well-being as well and i think that might be another positive outcome is we've realized the importance of staying well you know mentally as well as physically and and that's something i hope continues
1: yeah for sure i mean um, again another of our clients is heights which is a um, uh, a supplement for your for, for brain health um so not mental health but like brain health like you can't possibly eat a diet that supports your your brain with all the nutrients it needs to um so it's again it's a subscription model but like the fact that they represent that idea of looking after your brain so stephen fry ran a, li- a live discussion with them um, uh with the founder dan um or co-founder and um and it was incredibly popular And you know people just saying okay what is this new area of, of health and well-being and it's not because it's a captive audience i think it's just um uh, that, like you said, there's this renewed um, inward looking focus uh, where actually what people think of me has not been the priority for people for a few months. And um, and that's fascinating, I think, in terms of how people how people look at their lives and look at happiness in general. I mean, from my point of view, I'm not working like, fewer hours, um, but actually I'm spending much more time with my kids um, and I'm spending less time traveling. Um, but also I'm more conscious of wasted time and that being both important and not important, you know, like, um, you know, I think another brand that's really flourished in the in the crisis will be Peloton. Um, yes, it has, you not know, it? And Which that idea, that idea of fitness at home.
0: Fuss about the ad before Christmas. And
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I, the, one of my friends sent me a message saying, I've just seen a, a, a truck of 10 Pelotons being delivered to my building um and but the the thing that peloton brings is not an exercise machine right it's a connection to a community from from your home and and that is what they've constantly pushed but it's only in this crisis that it comes it becomes stark definition what that value proposition is and the idea that you can take an hour out of your time even if you're working from home to spend in a community that allows you to be present in something that's just there for you
0: if you if you were to invent something for now that's probably what you'd invent you know the importance of exercise the importance of community and motivation and all those things coming together
1: definitely and then there's other innovators in in the uk that around that like i think there's east nine um which is a a sort of an an app that's similar but works for outdoor running and you know helps people train and improve i think that idea of daily exercise being something that is um a requisite right so people are like yeah exercise might have been seen as a chore but it's been recast as an escape um and you know that, that i think for a lot of people you know has really helped you know fitness become not something that again is aspirational but is core to happiness and that will have a big impact on the the you know the commerce of things like gyms you know are gyms a place to exercise or are they your facilitator of exercise and therefore how do they change um and everyone who's had to create a digital version of their product from yoga instructors through to you know um you know personal trainers like the joe wicks phenomenon you know that's um you know that's a permanent shift you know the idea that you, you know you can find a bigger audience and a more compelling audience um and a more compelling proposition by digitizing it what you you thought had to be a face-to-face interaction is also cool um yeah, I think those things are going to be awesome, but also tectonic shifts. I think for brands, certainly in in the next year,
0: very exciting, really exciting. Um, so so let me uh, uh round off with one question. Then, so if you could give one bit of advice to clients, brand owners, what would it be?
1: I would say write your brief right. Like you have a, probably a two month runway at best before and um, the new normal as everyone keeps calling it um, starts starts rolling like thunder. Right. And there is an opportunity for everyone to forget what came before and actually recast your brand to be something that's not just equipped for the future, but helps to shape it. And very rarely, I think the biggest problem for brands, very rarely do they spend, and you'll know this John, they spend enough time writing the brief. And if you've got spare time now, write a brief, you know, what it you know from a big broad like what can we do point of view and get excited again because the anguish is done, right? I'm not saying it's gonna be easy from here on in, um, but it, it's 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 downhill, I think. And you know, there's going to be people rolling faster than others. And they're the ones that are uh, that are chasing something. I'm using this analogy far too much. But like, but but I, I genuinely think that there's this, there's an opportunity to just recast your North Star as a brand. And I don't want to sound like a market wanker, but to say, this is what we're gonna do now, you know, rather than how are we going to adapt to this, you know, we've all had these this situation thrust upon us that we can't control. That isn't an excuse anymore. You've now got the rest of this year and the rest of the life of the brand to control what are you going to do with it what are you going to achieve Um, and as I said I think the brief is the often forgotten um, acorn from which brands grow right and it can be a sentence or it can be a powerpoint presentation or whatever it is but spend the time thinking about that what do we want to do and then ask some people to come in and talk about it uh, because you won't get this time again you know, there won't be this reset button hit on every industry ever again. And there'll be people who grasp the opportunity and there'll be people who, um, who, as I said before, rest on their laurels and think it's all going to be the same afterwards. I
0: love that. Alex, that is the best place to end this. And if they want to get in touch with you with the brief, how can they do that?
1: So, I mean, just anywhere. Manifest, really. So um, Yeah, it's um, yeah, at Alex Myers on Twitter, um, but at Manifest Group as well um but yeah we're easy to find um international agency of the year mate so. i was gonna
0: say the global professional of the year is uh <laughs> i was gonna say you're missing all the parties right you should be kind of
1: <laughs> i think that the one thing we can be party happy about yeah like we won international agency <laughs> of the year and um and i think the world breathed a sigh of relief for lockdown because that party would have gone on for days <laughs> <and> possibly <laughs> raised london to the yeah. ground so um So yeah, I'm quite. I'm in a way, my liver's my liver's happy for lockdown. Put it that way. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers, Alex. Bye. Bye.